Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. From Barangaroo Studios, this is the COB. Brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. Hello, this is the COB. All the stuff you need to know about the day in business and markets. I'm Kyle Rodder here with Tessa Arcilia. Tessa, Yeah, great. filling in for our colleagues today. Good uh, to be with Kyle. I know, it's great to have you here as well. Uh, I face it, obviously all the Ausbiz viewers will get to know much better with time, but we may as well crack in to the day that was because, well, it wasn't exactly very exciting. We joked with Andrew Gagan earlier about trying to find a pulse in this market. Um, Not much there really. No, exactly. So we're looking at barely any movement. And I think we were expecting that, Kyle. The last four days, it's been really quite lackluster. We were talking about that word lackluster. And let's check on the ASX at the moment. It is, I think, at uh, up just six points, 7,371, up eight tenths of a percent. Do you think, you know, we have this wait and see attitude because no one really knows where the indicators are heading, I think. Yeah, there is definitely a level of uncertainty there. And I think one thing that's really shone through over the last few days is this complacency, perhaps, or the word complacency has come up quite a lot. Yeah, we were talking about that this morning because we talked about the the VIX, you know, Mm -hmm. and looking at the volatility, why is the volatility quite calm and flat? Is it because markets have decided, look, we don't know where to go at the moment. Maybe this is that moment of calm, you know, or have they already priced that in? Have they already expected it? Why is that? Mm, I know. Well, uh, we may be even just in the eye of the storm. It's very difficult to tell, but it's a good way to get ourselves into our three themes today because we do touch on that just a little bit. A complacent lull, I guess that's uh, my phrasing of it, um, because it just doesn't seem to be the case that inflation is solved yet. We still have earnings coming up in the United States uh, that could potentially uh, rock the boat, uh, some might uh, some might say. And then even locally, there's uh, some bank earnings coming up in the next few weeks, which could uh, cause some ructions. RBA rate hikes are still on the table. Would that be the catalyst to have that movement? Because I, you know, I also think that maybe the investors are just so underweight and are shorting mm. equities that there's not much to do at the moment. Yeah. You know, maybe they're bored, as you said yesterday. Maybe if they're bored, they'll do something. But yeah. at the moment, there's just nothing much they can do. Yeah, I have to attribute that one to Mark Gardner. <laughs> the, uh, the bulls, the bears, and yeah. the bored at that the moment. And that, that's Very a cracker. Catchy. Yeah, mm. got to love the uh, the alliteration there with, with three Bs. But uh, let's move on from that complacent lull because uh, we managed to draw a lot of blood from that stone because yeah. that's what it's been like in the markets today. Uh, but we have had some interesting news uh, as far as the organizational makeup of the RBA. Uh, a bit of a shakeup. Yeah, that was a big story today as far as, you know, the new side goes, but uh, did it move the market needle? Not so much. And I think I was looking at some reactions that we saw today. You know, broadly speaking, this is they're looking at how many times, for example, will the RBA have their meetings? Because that will mm. make investors determine where are the key risk areas that they have to look out for. But as far as influence on inflationary targets, two to three percent, I think they're sticking with that. I think they've made that very clear possibly not to shake the market too much mm-hmm. because this is pretty big news, um, you know, on, on the news front. 
Yeah, it's, it's almost an organisational shake-up, isn't it? It doesn't say anything necessarily about macroeconomic policy, but it's sort of how things are done, not what gets done necessarily. And, well, I think that's a really good point that you make. It's kind of a change of the cadence, isn't it? Yeah. Rather than 11 times a year, uh, it'll be eight. And I guess it'll just mean those meetings that, that do happen will be just that little bit more important than the ones that well, we're used to. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because we're saying that this uh, dual board is a bit like the Bank of England. And I heard this morning mm. uh, someone saying, well, look, look what good that did them. Like, what do you think about this structure? It's one that I'm finding really difficult to get my head around, I suppose, because, I mean, this is something that is very um, intricate and every central bank has its own little makeup and has its own um, unique features that can affect policy, at least at, at the margins. You know, we, they have inflation targets, they have employment targets, uh, but the way that they come to these decisions, as we've seen today, uh, can be very different. So, I mean, the kind of uh, commentary that I've been able to glean from the guests today is that this kind of just modernises the bank a little bit, brings mm-hmm. us in line with, with the rest of the world that perhaps we were behind. Maybe the Bank of England model isn't the best way, uh, but the RBA model was certainly uh, not uh, fitting of, a, of a fa- an advanced uh, a central bank. So this will hopefully give us a little bit of a revamp. I saw, I saw a headline that said Australia walking to the 21st century. Is that pretty much? That's fantastic. It's, yeah. it's the year 2000. Well, get me my cargo Welcome. pants and uh, I don't know what those are. They, they have a, a, a rather... Um, crude colloquial name those glasses uh, that, that they used to wear back then but uh, I don't know maybe I can crack on those as well with the cargo <laughs> pants and, and make my way into, into the year 2000 the with trend, the RBA. Kyle, start the trend. That could be it. Um, but let's get across some of the areas of the market that uh, we're moving and shaking today as well. Uh, metals and mining uh, down today Tessa. I don't know if there was any news necessarily but certainly a waste Yeah I think we were talking about inflationary pressures that could, you, do you think that could be working its way into into the mining sector or per possibly profit-taking from some of the gains that they've had this week. I mean, they were the movers this week and pretty much just the only ones. Yeah, no, exactly. And I I think, you know, we look at uh, the gold miners as well. You've got Newcrest on your screen there, but we'll flip over the page as we've just done there. And and you can see that we actually had that inflation surprise in the UK last night. Um, The inflation data in uh, New Zealand, I have to say, today was a little bit softer than expected. So we can cheer that, um, wins when they come. But there was that sense that maybe in uh, Europe and the UK, rates will have to remain higher for longer is the phrase. That hurt gold maybe had a bit of an impact on on our miners as well. And uh, well, an area of the market that probably benefited from that dynamic, higher interest rates, perhaps uh, the banks and and really was the the, the linchpin of the markets. Very modest gain today. (laughs) Yeah, very much so. And do you think they've priced in that, you know, expected 25 basis points raised from the feds or is that something we are bound to see in the next few days? Yeah, I think that 25 in in May for the Fed seems to be basically in the price. But I mean, locally, it will certainly be about how the RBA um, goes when it meets in, well, effectively two weeks' time. And we we have CPI numbers as well. And we have that CPI number first. And I think everyone is sort of waiting for that to get a better sense as to whether this is an extended pause or whether it was really just a a 30-day pause, which is is really not much of a pause at all. Oh, exactly. Anyway, um, let's get to the stock of the day because, of course, before the bell, we had... Uh, Tesla reporting and uh, Danny, a fan of Tesla, yeah. uh, thought that maybe car sales could be the uh, the, the appropriate pick. Um, I don't know. Do you, uh, have you followed car sales? Much I've, well, I've seen the website. I've looked through. <laughs> yeah. well, Tesla <laughs> spent a lot of time, a very cosmopolitan person overseas. So Just looking. Still, still to, to, to learn about our sort of cultural treasures like car sales. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very interesting. I just read that it's uh, the biggest car website um, ad, you know, where you buy and sell your yeah. cars here. So some um, yeah, very interesting for me to see and let's see how it did today. Yeah, absolutely.
positive aspects, negative aspects. So kind I'd of a hold? Say, I have to say I'm sitting on the fence with this. Yeah, it's a hold. Unless we get a break above 23, then you might have some of that short-term momentum. But um, from where I'm sitting at the moment, I think it's just a hold. Look, I, I'm not going out and buying it at the moment. Um, we already had sort of bond yields come back from where they are at the moment. That's sort of any tech exposure has done really well off the back of that. So I've already had a recent rally. Um, not going out and buying it straight away. Happy to hold. Um, it's going to be a really good company. It'll stay stable in your portfolio. Accumulated if you get a market pullback or the share price pulls off from, from here. Okay, so that was Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities, Brody Harold from Macro Capital, and uh, basically a, a double hold there. So nothing yeah. emphatic, but certainly th- seeing some value in the stock. Yeah, so interesting to be watching that. I just wanted to point yeah, quickly on Tesla, because you mentioned it before yeah. that. Um, it's been starting this price war. Do you think that's going to be working its way into the EV market? We talked about um, Australia's national policy yesterday, the first one they came mm. up with. Whether or not you agree with it is a different point, but it might give investors um, a signal on where to put their money. Should we be looking into more opportunities in the EV market with a price war now? It's going to make it more affordable. It's it's a really a good point that I think um, Danny actually made in her view today. And I obviously always recommend Danny's writing, especially this one. She loves Tesla, is really across the details. And she kind of spoke about how the fact that a lot of automakers actually don't make much money off the vehicles, but it's mm. the servicing and parts down the line where they generate a lot of their revenues. And what Elon Musk was saying on the early earnings call is that, yeah, we're, we're in this sort of price war at the moment, but our margins are still 19%. Right. So we're looking to uh, make money on the vehicle. The servicing down the line is basically nil because all you need is software upgrades. Mm. So, okay, yeah, we're trying to undercut uh, 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 our competition here. Uh, we still have the better product. We still have a, a product for investors that is uh, attractive because we're making money off the, the actual cars. And well, it's a, it's a good time to, to, to buy into Tesla stock. Obviously, that was his, his, uh, <laughs> his, his selling point, Elon Musk. But I thought it was a really interesting point and perhaps you know, a little bit of a reason to be perhaps discerning when it comes to, to the EV space because yeah. it's highly competitive and it's highly costly. And if some of these, uh, I guess, disruptors in the space uh, to, to what you know, is effectively Tesla's yeah. uh, pie, so to, to mix my metaphors there, uh, they don't make any margin off their existing vehicles, let alone these expensive um, electric vehicles. So just a few things to consider there when you're trying to find uh, an opportunity potentially in this booming uh, yeah. EV opportunity. To look out for that. All right, so I think we can move on to our guest today. Absolutely, and yes. so as he so often is on a Thursday at the moment, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today joins us now. Uh, Henry, thank you so much for your company this afternoon. Um, I thought I'd have to ask the question because I feel like it will be in the category of commercial property, but the uh, RBA review, anything meant anything for you? Um, hi, Kyle. Hi, Tessa. Nice to uh, to be on the show with you. The RBA review. Well, I guess you know we are playing a bit of catch up. The the yeah. world has moved on from a, a bunch of uh, business people sitting around a table every month having a few uh, bickies and coffees after lunch and deciding on the interest rate policies. I guess what is interesting is if we have less frequent meetings, there could be a tendency for instead of the creepy quarter points a month to go the more dramatic moves uh, being uh, spaced out further apart. So you may see uh, we get uh, sort of two or three months of nothing and then suddenly a half or three quarter point rise or even three quarter point cut or whatever uh, down the track. So that does mean that we may get lumpier and bigger moves from the RBA, but I think it's just bringing it into the modern day. And let's face it, their calls, I know that you had uh, 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 
a very eminent guest on earlier talking about how it was impossible to make those sort of calls. Yes, I think the answer is it is impossible sometimes to make the, uh, the big macro calls, especially when you've got COVID, which was a once in a hundred year event, literally. Uh, but what is, uh, I think, what was really bad that Phil Lowe did was having made the call was then to basically back it up with the we're not going to be raising rates till 2024 and out you go guys borrow as much as you can go hell for leather and uh, and and really get those debt levels up which has really come home to bite literally a lot of people so I, th I think that has been uh, the most significant thing that the RBA stuffed up apart from the transitory inflation which you know was clearly not transitory as we we're all seeing that in our own lives anecdotally I'm sure these guys don't get out of uh, Martin place very often except to get someone to buy them a sandwich so you know I, I think that they sometimes get a little bit divorced from reality what's going on in the world maybe this will help um, it's certainly uh, you know it's certainly a step in the right direction to modernize I would be very surprised if Phil Lowe uh, was uh, given the top gig again come September or in the middle of the year when Jim Chalmers is uh, talking about that. I would think a very easy gig would be for him to go to a big investment bank and uh, sit back and relax. <laughs> All right. Um, looking at the inflationary pressures uh, that you were talking about there, it's not transitory as we've seen. It's so stubborn. And, you know, at some a few weeks ago, it's almost feeling like people are getting inflation fatigue, but then it's back on the table. Do you think that the performance we, like we saw today, for example, or that the jitters that we're feeling in the market is it, it means that inflation is a much bigger story than we're making out to be at the moment? Um. I would like to have some jitters in the market, to be honest, Tessa. This has turned from a bull market into a bore market. You know, we were <laughs> down three points today. We traded in a 30-point trading range. We've got risks lining up like soldiers waiting to ambush <laughs> us. You know, and you've got the VIX at 16 and a bit, its lowest level in 18 months. Three points today. I mean, really, that does belie... Uh, the fact that we have seen some big moves in BHP production numbers tomorrow, 2.5% down in BHP, and the banks pushing higher. Uh, that's an easy one, given that we've got results coming up at the beginning of May for three of the banks. But I think, you know, and something I'm going to be writing about tomorrow in our newsletter is talking about how many companies have used inflation as uh, camouflage for raising the prices. Let's face it, they had a th pretty tough three years in some cases, uh, pretty uncertain three years, and everyone talks about inflation, and they look around and go, oh, we're seeing a bit of inflation, let's whack our prices up and see how far we can push them before the consumer hurts or the consumer pushes back. We've seen shrinkflation as well for many products where the sizes just get smaller. So I think there's a bit of that going on. It'd be interesting to see as the US and European results play out, because we sometimes forget about European results. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see what the margins are doing, whether we're seeing margin compression, i.e. the inflation inputs are hurting and squeezing those margins, or whether we're going to see margin expansion. As I say, some of these companies have used the camouflage, uh, the ghillie suit of uh, inflation to, uh, to actually raise prices and push margins higher after years of, uh, of not doing so. So it's going to be interesting. But I would like to see some, uh, some volatility, to be honest, Tess. So I'd like yeah. to see some, you know, some, some, uh, some decent moves in the index. And the US is pretty quiet. Europe is opening 
extremely quiet and uh, we were three points down. It's, um, it's the ball market. Yeah, you know, we were looking at this week thinking that it was going to be exciting with all the U.S. earnings coming out, but, uh, you know, it was pretty muted. So take out your crystal ball, Henry, for a second. And where would that catalyst be coming from, you think? Oh, the catalyst for a move in the market. I think we've all got too complacent. I think Carl's right. I think we've all got fat and happy at Easter. We're all stuffed full of Easter eggs. We're on school holidays at the moment. A lot of people are away as well. Uh, we've got a holiday on Tuesday. I don't really consider Anzac Day a holiday. Uh, it's a day of uh, commemoration, but we do get the day off uh, to commemorate on Tuesday. So a lot of people will be taking the long weekend, take the Monday off the long weekend. So, you know, as we drift into that, on the back of Easter, I can't see too much really excitement happening in Australia, to be quite honest. Unless something dramatic happens in the US, I'm struggling to see where it's coming from. Of course, at the end of at the end of this month, coming into May, we've got uh, another RBA meeting, we've got the federal budget, We've got the US FOA, uh, the Federal Reserve meeting as well. So we could see a bit more volatility in May. But if you were sitting on options, uh, calls or puts, hedging at the moment, having that insurance policy, you would be scratching your head with the, uh, the VIX at 16, thinking, why have I got this insurance? But as we all know, you only buy, you should buy insurance when times are good, uh, when your house isn't on fire, because by the time your house is on fire, the insurance premiums are going to be quite high. <laughs> Indeed. Um, might dovetail into into uh, the Bank of Queensland because it released its half-year results. It kind of, I guess, is a presage to some of the other banks that will report um, out of cycle, of course, in the, in the next few weeks. Uh, what did you make of that? Because clearly there were some one-off items that affected profitability. But uh, I did speak to Patrick Alloway earlier today, fortunately enough, and he seemed to be sort of painting a fairly uh, gloomy outlook for the economy as well as business conditions for the bank. I mean, did you make anything of the results yourself? Um, not really. The results were pretty much uh, in the market because we did see them last week, to be mm. honest. We did see all those numbers come out last week. This is really just confirmation, confirmation of the dividend, the write-downs, uh, the profit. Uh, I, you know, I think when you've got such a competitive market out there at the moment with uh, all these cashback offers on mortgages, uh, the refinancing, the cliff coming, etc., you can understand why Bank of Queensland is struggling uh, a little bit, I have to say. You know, when the big boys fight, the little boys get crushed. And at the moment, you know, you look at the Bank of Queensland share price, it is not performing in line with the other banks. Uh, certainly, you know, the other banks have been perking up and they had a good day today. You've seen Commonwealth Bank rally from sort of 92 bucks to 100 bucks, uh, whereas Bank of Queensland has been going in a one-way traffic. So I think, you know, the problem for regional banks, and we saw this in the US, is that when people get a little bit spooked about the uh, the banks and the media, and, and we are to blame for this sometimes because we can do some spooking of our own, uh, talking about regional banks and banking crises and all that sort of stuff, uh, people naturally tend to head towards safety and the bigger banks. And I think that is certainly playing out at the moment. I think the big four and Macquarie in the five coming up in the fifth position will be getting business off the likes of Bank of Queensland. So certainly from where he's sitting, 
it may be a very different kind of market to where other banking chiefs are sitting, uh, which are doing far better. Mm. Uh, Henry, just uh, very quickly, I want to touch on oil because um, just a few minutes ago, I saw that China's uh, refineries processed more crude than ever before in March. And despite this, they were still increasing their inventories. What is that going to do to the oil market, even if OPEC is able to keep the prices at $80 uh, per barrel at that level? Would China be stocking up so that they don't have to buy? Um, when Gee. prices are high. So what does that do to the oil market? Jeez, Tessa, that's another commercial property kind of question, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Chinese inventory stockpiles on oil. Well, um, you know, I, I think we all know that uh, at the moment oil is a bit of, bit of a political game. Uh, we've seen the Saudis, etc., cut production. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, love between uh, Russia, the Saudis and China. And that is certainly an, an axis of, of, uh, of intent, I guess. I was going to say evil, but it's intent, certainly, that the, the world is, is bifurcating to some extent. And they do have a lot of power. I think, ultimately, we're going to see higher oil prices, which, unfortunately, is going to drive inflation. We've still got the U.S., which ran down its strategic petroleum reserves massively uh, when the oil price was high. And it has yet to buy back those strategic reserves. So I think that's coming to play as well. And clearly the Saudis don't want oil to fall too far and they're very happy to see it drift higher and I think that will continue to be the case and we will see higher oil prices this year. I don't know if we'll get to 100 but I think you know 85, 90 is probably the equilibrium price given the global uh, growth constraints that we're seeing. But China reopening is going to help the oil price and the fact that we do have the axis of intent with those three uh, working in tandem. And of course you've got India now coming into the game. So I, I think, you know, the, the pressure is on oil upwards rather than downwards. Got to throw one curly one in there at least. Uh, Henry, <laughs> thank you so much for your uh, patience and uh, insight as always. Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, guys. I'd expect nothing less. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Okay, well, let's uh, take a look on what's overnight, shall we? Uh, yeah. Because we've got a fair bit of um, data out. Nothing sort of, I guess, too high impact in terms of, you know, maybe being that catalyst. You never know. Yeah. But um, still not, uh, plenty of information there that we sort of can use to build a bit More of a picture of what's going on. Yeah. Tomorrow, yeah. So U.S. initial jobless claims overnight, existing home sales, ECB minutes, as Andrew was saying, we can pay more attention to Europe as well, just to maybe get some signals from there, Eurozone consumer confidence, and uh, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is going to be speaking about U.S.-China relations, and mm. some comments on China might be of interest, you know, tomorrow. Um, for us and uh, also we have tomorrow we're looking at UK retail sales and quarterly productions are you looking forward to any of that to BHP um, Whitehaven Coal WDS yeah without a doubt I think it's uh, certainly something that market participants are going to be keeping a careful eye on because we have had a lot of production updates from a lot of smaller miners some in the lithium space some in the gold space and um, well it's probably nothing that we can necessarily infer too much for, for these particular names but it has moved the markets in recent days so it's certainly worth keeping an eye on as a potential source of volatility I'm just trying to see who we might have or what we might have in terms of uh, US earnings coming up this evening because well, as we'd be well aware, we're in the thick of things now with Tesla this morning. Yeah. Um, but just looking tonight, American Express, TS, uh, so uh, Taiwan Semiconductor, yeah. that's going to be huge, actually. Uh, so you can put that, uh, put that on your list, uh, folks. Uh, tomorrow morning, maybe a little less uh, exciting. But um, American Express, TSM, uh, Taiwan Semiconductor, um, again, that's an interesting space. Uh, That's just an interesting space tomorrow, in general. Semi, yeah, yeah, semi yeah, absolutely. Space. It's 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 a hot one. So mm -hmm. um, we'll watch and uh, watch and wait for that.
Okay, let's get across the leaders and laggards, shall we? And well, Tilix Pharmaceuticals, that's yeah, three days in a row. Yeah. Um, at the top of the pops. Again, we're talking about this. Is it the fundamentals? When 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 a stock goes up and up and up, it just makes me nervous. I'm waiting yeah. for when are people gonna, you know, profit take or, or sell, or are the fundamentals so good that we probably see this upward trend for them moving forward? Yeah, well, I mean, inevitably there's going to be something of a pullback, right? I mean, um, people will take profit, the, the, the hot money will exit the market. But I mean, when you look at something so emphatic, and it was a really good set of results, you know, record revenues, really painting a positive picture uh, going forward. I have to say again, Christian Berenbrook, who's the CEO, has uh, featured on Ausbiz before, you know, always paints a really compelling uh, a picture for, for, for what Tilix is, is trying to do and, and some really wonderful things, not mm. just uh, for obviously its shareholders, um, but, you know, for, for humanity, the, the, the yeah. drugs that specialize in really tackling some um, sort of curly issues, especially when it comes to, yeah, to so cancer and things yeah. of that nature. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, yesterday it was up maybe 3% that mm. on the day of the results was 12%. So I think that's a 20% rise in the space of about three days. So again, you'd think it would pull back uh, eventually, but still, um, that's a, a strong signal that investors like what they hear uh, from the yeah. business in the long term as well. And even if there is a pullback, if the fundamentals are good, I think, you know, if you're long term, you're in it for the long run, then that's uh, that's all good. Yeah. All right, to the laggards mm. today, uh, the materials resources space. And we, I think we, yeah, we saw that. Yeah. Um, could it be inflationary pressures? Could it be profit taking? I mean, yeah, big uh, movements on that space. Yeah. I think there was, um, Alcom had an announcement today, didn't they? Yeah, they well, cut we'll a near term lithium price forecast today oh. it, it sent shares down and despite reporting record revenue from one of its uh, facilities so we saw that uh, going down I mean yeah, anything strike you? In well, obviously, you just mentioned before in terms of just the gold space, and we did yeah. cover that off off the top. But um, Brainship Holdings is in there as well, which sometimes can be quite interesting to look at. Nothing that I can necessarily see here as being too significant as to why it dropped 4%. Um, yeah, no news out of the business, really. Sometimes these things just happen. So it's a, a little bit of a drop, a, a rare spot of volatility, perhaps, in a, in a fairly, um, you know, I guess, stable day when it comes to the markets. But let's just get across very quickly to the uh, the small caps that were, were moving. Anything there that we can jump out? Ah, oh, my favourite, Jervois Global. <laughs> Finally, it, was, well, it hasn't been here Especially for a week. For actually, yeah. I haven't mentioned it on here yet, but I was doing a bit of a dig around, pardon the pun, uh, as to what Jervois actually does. <laughs> and it's right up my strata, actually. It's um, it's a minor, but it, it's looking to supply a cobalt and nickel in a responsibly sourced way. So oh. um, there you go. Not I'm, I'm not on the, a page still for Jervois. Or I think it might even be Jervois. I don't know. Um, but nevertheless, it's back on the back on the leaderboard, doing some interesting things. Actually, Silk Laser yep. is in the news. That was uh, that's going to be acquired uh, indirectly uh, by West Farmers. So that's up 23% oh, okay. today and close at $3 per share. you think that's probably why there was an influence on the price today? Yeah, without a doubt, 24% up, yeah, Silk Laser, um, going to be under that big conglomerate that is yeah. uh, West Farmers that continues to grow. Um, and uh, okay, here are the, the laggards, Galena Mining. I will try and see if I can find it, an answer about Galena because you know it's only 15 cents, but 30, uh, 33% move. That's a, that's a loss a third of its uh, value. Anything there? Um, oh, it's raising capital. Okay, so mm -hmm. that uh, makes sense uh, as to why that would be uh, down as much as it is. Uh, otherwise, well, there you go. I'll uh, let folks read across the screen the other movers and shakers. But 
Oh, Tessa, how did we go? Uh, that was uh, a whirlwind. Managed to, again, uh, generate a little bit of excitement in what was a pretty dull day otherwise. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I really hope there's um, some movement, as uh, Henry too is, is mm. hoping for. Absolutely. Do you think there will be? Well, again, we, I just, we, we, uh, it goes back to that question. Where's the catalyst? Where's the catalyst yeah. coming from next? And it's going to be Fed. It's going to be an inflation figure. It's, it's going to be something that shifts monetary policy expectations or an absolute shocker from US earnings season. None of those things are coming from the not calendar yet, in the next 24 hours. We're waiting. We, might, we are waiting. So we do get that <laughs> um, uh, uh, some of that information next week. Certainly the start of May will be interesting because we get, again, RBA, some economic data, uh, some of those big companies that report that uh, Microsoft's Apple's and mm-hmm. all that. So maybe it could last for another week of this uh, fairly dull trading. But nevertheless, we'll be here standing by. Across all it happens, for you. Yeah. happens to occur. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or not. We'll wait and see. But... Uh, Tessa, really great uh, to have you on board. We'll be back again in 24 hours time. And of course, we'll be back tomorrow morning to take you through the world of markets. Make sure you catch up on all the latest news and views on our website and app. In the meantime, have a great evening. The COB is brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission.